Greetings, cyberspace, and welcome to episode 111 of the Double Density Podcast with your hosts, Brian and Angelo. Double Density, your home to tech tales and paranormal primers. Now, first things first, Angelo, I love you dearly. Um, you are a true friend. You're someone I talk to pretty much nearly every day. But you're also a man who infuriates me in very uh, specific kinds of ways that only uh, a true friend would. And this week, you've decided to infuriate me with the double whammy of your newish slash old hobby and um, something that bothers you a lot. So I'm going to let you very briefly describe what I've uh, had to put up with over the last, I don't know, like seven to ten days. First of all, not even a hello. Are you paying me back for last week for uh, yeah, not saying hello to Daryl? I did. I was just waiting. Right. Patiently. In the wings. Yeah. <laughs> Laying in wait. Right. On the podcast. So I don't think, I don't see why this was a problem. I just was commenting on how, uh, first of all, you started it because I said I was waiting for a package from the US by UPS possibly. And you said, oh, you're going to get charged brokerage fees. No, no, no. I said, this is what I said. Do not put words into my mouth, my friend. What I said is that in the past, I've had instances where I've had to pay a fee for UPS uh, because they've carried my package across the border. I did not say, Angelo, this shall befall you. So don't try and do that, my friend. Okay, so anyway, I went into a deep dive as to see how this package was going to come, if there were brokerage fees, and then I noticed it wasn't actually coming by UPS. Uh, The package was sent using something called UPS Mail Innovations, which essentially has UPS come pick up packages at whatever place is sending this to you, and then it goes via USPS, which then gets picked up by Canada Post here in Canada, and doesn't cause you to have any sort of uh, weird duty fees or anything like that. And in fact, when you when I finally discovered what uh, the Mail Innovations was, it's something pretty recent where UPS handles everything in terms of coordinating it going to the border and stuff like that. And the goal ultimately is so that the person receiving the package, to them it's as if it was shipped from within their own country. Okay, perfect. Uh, let's get to the matter at hand, though. Uh, so I did some math. Uh, over the last seven days, you've discussed this nine times. Uh, how many uh, sleepless nights did you have about this? None. None, none You told me all. you had nightmares. I had nightmares? No, not about this. You said no. it was keeping you up. No, not at all. Eh, I'm not buying this. You're making things up. It's no, not no, keeping, no. It's the aliens that keep me up, Brian. <laughs> so you ordered some books about magic. I did. Um, I've been looking into uh, rekindling my uh, enjoyment of uh, manipulating cards and stuff like that. Uh, my daughter, like I've mentioned before, has been interested in magic. We did a whole episode about magic and uh, skepticism. And I said, you know what? I, I used to try doing card tricks and stuff. And then I ended up, I mean, you know, like when you're young, you can kind of only concentrate on one thing. So I ended up concentrating on music, which um, which is great because I, you know, I can play piano now and play guitar and stuff. So that's good. So I, I, I did that. And now uh, to add to my hobbies, I said, you know what? In my old age, let me start playing with cards. And if I can do some card tricks for the kids that make them uh, happy, uh, all the better. I'm not going to be performing in front of anybody. I, no, but you would, you would kind of like to. I, I know that your big worry is that in a couple of weeks, I'm going to hand you an envelope for your wedding. And inside is going to be a card that says, halfway through your wedding, announce Angelo, and he's going to come do card tricks for you. I think that's that's keeping you up at night. That is absolutely true. And this is something you've been taunting me with for weeks. Uh, I feel like your wife would be mortified, though. Oh, I would be mortified as well if something comes over me and I start doing that. Uh, the whole thing with 
these books and stuff, they're for magicians, right? So all the secrets of magic are revealed in these types of books, right? So that's why you can't get them through Amazon. That's why I had to have them shipped from a special company. And this feels like an infomercial, like call one eight eight seven six two three two nine now. I use the company called Vanishing Inc., which is really good. They're really good. Uh, I was really impressed with the service I got from them. The thing when you're learning these types of tricks is you do not perform them until you actually know what you're doing because or else you kind of reveal what you're doing because you don't know what you're doing and you screw everything up. Angela, you're setting the stage here for what I ultimately want to talk about this week. Uh, your frivolous spending, my friend. So not only are you buying magic books, you're buying book accessories. <laughs> you're talking about the the very inexpensive book holder I bought? Yes, oh, the, yes, the $15 book holder because clearly you cannot place a book on a stable surface and keep it open. No, no, no. You need it elevated because you need uh, all of the might and power of math to be able to see these pages. Well, the reason is because the book kept closing on me. So I, uh, these are nice, big, thick, heavy, hardcover books. So I have to have something to hold it. And uh, <laughs> so if they keep closing, then you're, you're stuck at the beginning then. Like if it were open in the middle, it'd be fine. But it sounds like you're just uh, at the beginner stages. Yes. Well, that the whole point of these books, they're called Card College. I, I bought volume one and two. And call now, 18876. <laughs> There's also uh, TV Repair College, VCR Repair College. <laughs> the DeFry Institute, now open to magic. I used these books and they were kept closing on me because, right, you can't just leave it in the front page open. So I got this fun book holder and it seems to work well. So it's fine. Well, while you were busy uh, studying the blade and mastering the blade, I was busy uh, guesting on other podcasts. So uh, I was recently on the 100th episode of the Not Alone podcast with Sam and Jason, where I got to talk about Stanley Kubrick and how he faked the moon landing. Uh, and that was a lot of fun because here on Double Density, we tend to touch a lot of different topics in a very short um, span of time, whereas it's always fun to jump into an episode where you get to do a deep dive on things. And uh, having been a film grad and having spent a lot of time actually reading about faking the moon landing, uh, it was kind of fun to be able to sort of unpack things um on a longer basis than usual uh significantly longer usually our episodes run about what uh, 45, 45 minutes yeah uh i listened to the unedited version of uh, your appearance on not alone and it was two and a half hours and uh, yeah, and that doesn't include the uh, 10 to 15 minutes where my internet dropped out, because of course, why not? Um, and then apparently they had gone on for a bit while I was gone. Uh, so I'm sad to, to to hear that there may be an unedited or edited bit that got lost in time that I may never uh, get to hear. Because as you were saying, I haven't finished it yet, but the ending part where I got dropped seemed rather seamless. So I guess they did some work there. Well, I will say it did not feel like a two and a half hour podcast. It was really great. Does it make you want to watch The Shining? I've seen The Shining. I even saw the miniseries you referred to in the episode. I right. saw that when it was on ABC in the mid-90s. 1997. And then With the guy you, from Wings. You had planned to watch Room 237, and then it got removed from Netflix, right? Yeah, halfway. I, I stopped watching it halfway, and then the, when I came oh, back good. to watch it, it was gone. You're pulling some magic on the internet here. You're you're highlighting all of our notes yet again, my friend, distracting me. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. So uh, uh, listeners out there, please send in topics for Angelo to fret about. I think he needs more things to fret about, not less. I don't want any examples because I might fret about them. Double underscore density on Twitter or, you know, double density podcast gmail.com. Let us know what Angelo should be fretting about. Speaking about things we should be fretting about, let's talk about your, um, your con film festival, your Oscar night, your Grammy night, all rolled into one. I'm talking about WWDC, aka dub dub. 
I wasn't as excited as I usually am for WWDC this year. I'm kind of burnt out on this stuff, right? But uh, I was wrong because it was a really, really good keynote this year. Uh, there's some interesting stuff coming. A uh, really good rundown of it by Dan Moran on Six Colors, uh, previous guest of the show. Uh, I'd say go take a look at that. I'll put a link in the show notes. There's some really, really interesting stuff that Apple's doing. We're obviously not going to go through the whole thing. Uh, one of the standouts to me is that the iPad is getting its own OS, which is pretty great. Uh, so yeah, a uh, uh, former guest of the podcast, Daryl from last week had also mentioned his desire for, you know, an iPad specific uh, OS. So this, this sounds great. I'm into this. Wishes do come true, Brian. Um, yeah, the, not, not my wishes though. Like no, I don't have to, an iPad. So <laughs> I, uh, I was looking, you know, at the, the MacBook ecosystem yet again, and it's just, it's just disappointing everywhere. Right. So, um, kind of unhappy with the way things are going that way because you were suggesting get a MacBook air, right? But they have very tiny solid state hard drives and, you know, in looking around at hard drive prices, right. Cause they start at uh, 128 gigs. Um, and then you can go up to 256, but they're like 500 gig SSDs for about a hundred bucks. So I don't understand why they don't just level up. Yeah, they need to bring that up a bit more. I think 128 uh, is fine for some people. In your case, you were telling me how, you know, when we're recording this podcast and stuff, it, it creates gigabytes of data and you don't want to be dealing with that on a tiny hard drive. I have a, a 256 gigabyte hard drive on my iMac. The thing is, is I also have a 500 and a, and a terabyte hard drive connected. So I essentially have uh, almost two terabytes of space on this thing because they're always connected and they're always there for me to access. Um, right. Well, you you being the Apple apologist, that's what exactly what you said. You said, oh, just get other hard drives. No, no, no. That's not what I want to do here. I want to be able to um, house my files for a reasonable amount of time and then also be able, uh, because I uh, stream using Plex on this, right? So I want to be able to watch my legitimate movies and my legitimate television shows uh, without having to resort to moving things every three to four weeks onto another hard drive. Well, um, in that case, uh, can I interest you in a Mac Pro? My friend, I uh, stared at my wallet today and I looked at my credit cards, my debit card and uh, my checkbook. I sighed heavily and realized I don't have, you know, in the ballpark of $50,000 laying around for a lot of this. Okay, it's not that expensive, but the thing is... is I mean, yeah, like it it tops out at about 50. Yeah, probably. Uh, The Mac Pro, and talking about hard drive space, talk about being stingy with that. The Mac Pro base model comes with 256 gigabytes of of memory. Exactly. Sorry, not memory, of uh, storage. Of of storage, yeah. Uh, That makes no sense to me. The, The iMac Pro comes with a terabyte why doesn't the mac pro come with a terabyte i guess they're gonna they want you to stick uh, on extra hard drives like i do the thing is that they're moving away and i guess this is sort of a smart move right because they feel like they're done with uh you know the lower and mid-tier uh, user they're looking at the high-end user who's probably working in 4 and 8k they need the ram um in theory they need the hard drive space right because how are you supposed to work on any large projects with that smaller hard drive yeah i look they're catering to pros the the mac pro is not for many people. It's stuff that's designed for people that don't even blink at spending six or seven thousand dollars on a tower. Uh, they made a comparison. There, the there's also a display coming out which also runs at five or six thousand dollars, and they made the comparison to the reference monitors that most uh, filmmakers use, made by Sony and other companies that start at forty thousand dollars. So they're in comparison to that. So for people that spend that much on a reference monitor, they don't care if they're spending $6,000 and the kicker $1,000 for the stand, which I have never heard the audience groan more audibly at an Apple keynote. 
So you told me to say this for the podcast. So here I am when we talked about this previously. Uh, why announce this as like a selling point? Uh, it seems a little extravagant. Uh, know your audience. They, they really shouldn't have announced this as they did. Uh, I was listening to, uh, I think it was uh, a latest episode of Upgrade or last week's episode. And uh, Jason Snell said he's never seen uh, an Apple presenter say something so quickly and then run off the stage and then Tim Cook run back on and start talking about something else really quickly. It's like, and the stand's $1,000 and they ran off the stage and Tim Cook came on and started talking about something else. Yeah, I do believe that that was probably the largest presentation misstep in a while, right? I, I wouldn't call it a misstep. It's just... Oh, I absolutely would. If your audience is groaning, that's not a good sign. I guess. It, it's it's almost as bad as when Jimmy Iovine was talking about Apple Music. Okay, let's put it this way. If you were to do a an illusion or magic trick in front of people, and you uh, sort of like towards the end of your set, your audience groans, have you done a good job? No. Yeah, okay, no, exactly. They, it was basically a five-second thing that they should have just kept out. Like, don't even talk about the stand at all at that point. No. I mean, the thing is, like, if, okay, fine. The $5,000 monitor is fine. Also, another thing that I want to mention is that reference monitors are bullshit. There are calibration guides out there that allow you to sort of uh, reach a very, like a very, very similar kind of aesthetic for a lot cheaper. I've seen them. Um, so those exist. Uh, I do feel like those $40,000 uh, monitors are uh, for suckers. And if anyone out there is in the film industry and using one, let me know so that I can berate and belittle you because that is all I'm here for. And I'm kidding, of course, because we love every single one of you. Yeah, they should just spend $5,000 on an Apple monitor and just hold it up because it comes with no stand. You have to hold it in your hands <laughs> Maybe, like a big giant oh, iPad. Oh, they should get your $15 book rest. Oh, oh, see? Good job, Brian. We're solving problems here yeah. on Double Density. Um, uh, also, I think, you know, uh, another top line kind of news item uh, coming out of this is, you know, RIP iTunes, which not a huge surprise there. They, they're going to actually be able to replicate everything that iTunes does and you need iTunes for via different apps, right? So there'll be the music app for your actual own music library, stuff you've bought from iTunes and Apple Music. There'll be the um, Apple TV app. There'll be a podcast app. And when you plug in your iPhone, it just shows up right in the finder like it should have for yes, since the I, beginning. <laughs> I'm very excited about this because I think I've described multiple times how hard it is to get music or other um, audio files onto uh, my phone easily, right? Because I'll work on a project or I'll work on work in progress. Like, for example, when I did episode 100, when I was working on it, I bounced it and I wanted to listen to it. It was very tough to get that onto my phone easily. The thing is, is will your Mac even run Catalina? Who knows? Who knows at this point, right? I, it's probably not going to run it. No. Um, but I like the idea of knowing that I can do that. Uh, something else they showed off uh, with the Mac Pro, before I forget, is uh, there's an updated version of Logic coming out. And they had a thousand audio tracks and a thousand software instruments running at the same time, which is bonkers. What did that sound like? What did, like I've, I've heard it, but what does it sound like to you? I honestly couldn't tell that it was that many tracks, right? Because it's basically like one in, one tiny thing of an instrument at a time. But still, uh, it's insane that they had that running at the same time. I mean, I can run maybe 20 things at the same time uh, and not all software instruments and my iMac would choke. Not that I ever need that many tracks, right? And remember, uh, I grew up recording on a four track. So do you know the Def Leppard album Hysteria? Of course I do. Right. So a uh, producer, Mutt Lang, uh, was so meticulous in his recording, he would make the uh, guitarists record um, chords string by string, right? So I feel like a thousand tracks doesn't seem insane if you're deciding to like go oh that route. I didn't realize yeah. that they did that. Yeah, yeah no. no, it's you should go read about this. It's it's fascinating stuff and not something that I would ever try to put anyone through. Well, look, that's the thing. Professionals will use these Mac Pros to the full extent. 
people like us, we don't need these things. Uh, yeah, it's not something that we'll ever, ever really need in terms of uh, a computer. Like, we're fine with these older what computers is computer? that we have. It's an iPad. <laughs> I feel like that kind of notion is obsolete, right? Uh, because you, you, we still see that, right? When people try to detract from the Apple ecosystem and asking, like, what is the computer, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, honestly the thing that came out of this is I'm really excited about the iPad OS because um, I already use my iPad a lot, and if I'll be able to use it more like uh, a quote unquote real computer, I'll be pretty happy. Uh, that, yeah, oh yeah. We before I go before we go uh, to the paranormal segment, I do have to say that. I am pretty excited that you can now plug in any external hard drive to an iPad and actually get what's on that drive. Finally, right? Instead of dropping it into the cloud and worrying about how to get it back up. Or that was, yeah, that, that was the most ridiculous thing of the iPad. You know, they, they have, they slap pro at the end of iPad and they, they expect professionals to use this, but you can't connect to a network or uh, a uh, external drive. So I'm happy they finally done this. Well, your big wish of being able to sort of like record a Skype call uh, is still a pipe dream, but air. I think, yeah, right. <laughs> but I think the idea of the the iPad iOS uh, or the iPad OS, sorry, um, will slowly lend itself to a lot more multitasking. I hope. My question is, and this will be answered for at least a year: Will the next iPad OS be iPad OS two, or will next year, going off of uh, Mac OS and stuff like that, will iOS stop being numbered? Because I'm surprised they went to thirteen, right? So kind of going back uh, full circle here, why do you think that you weren't excited this time around? Honestly, I don't know. And I was wrong because it was a really fun WWC. I think, like I said, I'm kind of burnt out on uh, all this tech stuff in terms of like, I'm happy with what I have, right? Like nothing they would have announced would have made me say, oh, I really got to go get that. I'm happy with my iPhone. I'm happy with my iPad. Very happy with my Mac. So there's not really anything I need besides more magic books. Right. I feel like we've, uh, in terms of entropy, we've kind of plateaued in terms of like the ways in which Apple can surprise us substantially. Well, yeah. Uh, well, one thing actually that surprised me was the, the sign in with Apple thing. That's actually yes. kind of good. Yeah. That's, yeah, I agree. that's some great privacy because I, anytime something says to sign in with Google or Facebook, I don't like using it because then they'll have my Google information. But with Apple, they send a completely weird looking email address that's encrypted. So it's great. And with that, Angelo, I will uh, see you on the paranormal side of things. Get ready. Hello? I'm a computer. I'm a computer guy. Everything made out of buttons and wires. Double density. Welcome back to Double Density. As always, we're switching gears from tech to the paranormal. So this week, we're kind of run long on a, a couple of different topics. The first one is related to what we just talked about, but in a different kind of lens. And Angelo, you're going through uh, what I would easily describe as a, uh, an acute bout of pareidolia. If you look at the new Mac Pro and the grate that they put on it, they, they went back to what's uh, kindly referred to as the cheese grater design of the previous Mac Pro. Oh, before um, I forget, wheels? There's wheels on the new Mac? There's, it's like a weird accessory. The whole thing can be accessorized. You have wheels, you have handlebars, you have all kinds of stuff, and it could be rack-mounted as well. But the, the what, what do you call it? The intake of it? It looks like a, a, the grill of it looks like alien faces, if you're looking at it in a certain way. 
We'll be posting a picture on our Instagram uh, feed. I don't disagree with that. Uh, I see it. I don't know if I see it as much as you do. Maybe you're just hoping. Yeah, well, it looks like the alien face on the TVOS where they had the Apple events thing. That was some foreshadowing to what the, the Mac Pro would look like. I agree. Uh, now to the um, meat and potatoes, the main topic of this episode. Uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't uh, sort of join into the popular sphere of talking about um, these revelations that Navy pilots have been seeing things in the sky that people immediately are calling UFOs and UFOs is shorthand for aliens, of course. Um, so we're going to start things off with an article by MG Banius uh, about how uh, UFO hunters are thrilled at the prospect that the Navy says that UFOs are real. Look, I, I've listened to uh, MJ Benias on uh, Our Strange Skies and on uh, on Ryan Sprague's podcast as well, which is also mentioned in this article. I don't know what to think. Uh, it's funny that everybody's starting to think it's aliens. It's not necessarily aliens, right? It's, right? it's Navy officers are seeing things they're not supposed to be seeing in the skies where they are. Uh, it doesn't mean it's aliens. It could be uh, foreign nationals trying to like, invade or things like that. So, I mean, there's like three kind of popular theories that are floating around, right? So the third one, the most distant one, obviously, is aliens. The first one is that these are, uh, you know, American skunk works that are being worked on in such a way that even uh, the Navy doesn't know about it. And then, as you're saying, the second kind of of more plausible theory right now is that these are, uh, you know, foreign uh, devices and, you know, foreign objects that we don't know about, but they are Earth-based, right? So um, I enjoyed the article in a lot of ways, but... uh, the use of the word revolution bothered me here, right? Because it, the quote isn't, and now just like any revolution, UFOs have earned the spotlight after being ridiculed for so long. UFOs exist. Our government and military have admitted it. Now we take that next step and ask the hard questions. And for sure, let's ask the hard questions. But I'm kind of frustrated about the idea of unknown aerial phenomenon, you know, being equated to like uh, extraterrestrials. And it's not like they haven't existed. People have been talking about UFOs for years. Maybe we've been more entrenched in it because it's an interest of ours, but... It's not like uh, it's it hasn't been mainstream for a long time, right? Look at those specials we watched with Rob from the 90s, and then there was that Peter Jennings special in the, in the mid-2000s. Uh, people have been talking about UFOs for years. Now, yes, it's in the public consciousness because of that 2017 article in the New York Times, but it's not like it hasn't been there before that. Maybe a little bit more popular, but people have been talking about them for years. And again, this doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be aliens they're not i think i've said this over the last couple of weeks but i would be the first to applaud the fact that like this comes out capital d disclosure is a thing like i would be the first to be like great the evidence doesn't necessarily point to that automatically like and i think it's it's very uh dangerous and damning to jump to that conclusion automatically right yeah and they've been talking like look also i hate myself because like all in 2019 brian should be like yeah of course they're aliens but i can't i i just realistic brian is taking over the man who doesn't want to be sad when it's revealed that it's like you know uh foreign nationals building very sophisticated drones you know using zero gravity tech or whatever right so it it, well i don't know about zero gravity tech but i'm just i'm giving like an example of an earth-based sort of phenomenon right oh yeah for sure it's it's probably that um you know the russians have a tic-tac that flies around in the sky it's just, I don't think that we have to really worry about any sort of alien invasion right now. It's more we have to worry about other countries invading other countries. And this is probably what they're seeing. And I don't think any of these Navy uh, men and women are saying that they're aliens either, right? They're clearly saying they're unidentified. Again, 
this drives me crazy. Unidentified does not equate aliens. It means no, we don't of course know. Not. Yeah, of course. It's the classic sense of not knowing. I do feel like this is a great kind of a, a full court press run by the To the Stars Academy folks. Uh, once again, like could be, you know, disinformation, for example, right? Could be that or it could be them trying to make some money on this, which is probably the case. Yeah. And I think we talked about this, gosh, like a year and a half ago, right? When the, uh, you know, the Tom DeLong uh, press conference to announce to the stars happened where he was sweaty yes. and he was asking for, uh, for buy-in, right? I, uh, yeah, I don't know. Do you think though, all this is, uh, the government trying to prepare us for the eventual alien, uh, colonization of earth? So that is something else that I want to talk about this week. Um, and that is something that I was, I've kind of had in the back of my mind for a while that I wanted to talk to you about. And that is, of course, and I'm going to read the entire title before giving its uh, shorthand name, but uh, I want to talk about the proposed studies on the implications of peaceful space activities for human affairs, also known as 1960 slash 1961's Brookings Report. Yeah, I, I wasn't too familiar with this thing. I had heard of it. And because you had asked me, what's the name of that report? And I could not think of it, but you managed to pull it out of your head. And as uh, I typed it to you uh, via the internet, it then dawned on me. So you were part of my process. So thank you. Yeah. And I'd heard of it. It's just, it's not something I'm well versed in. Um, I briefly looked at the Wikipedia article you sent me and uh, it seems interesting. Do you think it's like we're being subliminally prepared for this now? Well, I, so some of the reports, uh, centers, so there's like several kinds of, uh, uh, there's a table of contents with like nine different chapters in there. I've read through the report years ago. Um, and so I kind of remember a lot of what was going on here, but the idea is that, uh, the straight out notion of an uh, sentient alien species reaching out to us, um, would shock the country and, and the world and destabilize society as we know it. So it's better to very uh, quietly introduce the notion. And I do think that like this was talked about a lot in the nineties, right? With the X-Files, Independence Day, Men in Black, et cetera, kind of, you know, taking the center stage. So the idea of like conditioning um, a population to get ready for a revelation and capital D disclosure, which we've talked about a lot and which is tied into what a lot of these um, to the stars bros uh, do believe in and think is just around the corner. And, you know, despite the fact that like this has been a, a very constant kind of theme for, you know, 20, 25 years now at this point. Hasn't Stephen Greer been pushing this for like 30 years at this point? For sure. He had a press club, um, yeah. uh, you know, press conference in like 2000, 2001 about this. That was a big deal when that happened. People were saying yes. it's coming, it's coming. And now it's 2019. Well here. Okay. So kind of tangential, right? But the idea of generational cycles exists, right? So, uh, the idea that like what was uncool is now cool again, right? So for example, in the late nineties, we saw the launch of that 70s show, right? So that 20 year gap there, um, kind of feeds into that. So the generational shift perhaps suggests that there is a new audience ready to hear a new message out there. I just realized now that the, the, we're like almost as far from the seventies show as the seventies show was from the seventies. Yes, absolutely. Isn't that frightening and exciting all at the same time? Well, you know, that's one of my favorite things to do, right? So yes, I find that interesting. <laughs> Hem and hob about uh, time as a relative marker to things. Yes. Yes. My favorite is still the little mermaid. We're further away from the little mermaid than the little mermaid was away from the moon landing, which is going to be 50 <sighs> years this year. Yes. In July. Which may not be real, according to the latest episode of Not Alone. Not Alone Podcast.com, friends. Um, Yeah, so, you know, thinking about the Brookings Report and its results, right? So um, something very interesting that I want to read that made me laugh because it ties into a lot of, like, what I do and think about is uh, I'm going to read a a quote here that I think is very uh, funny to me um, in retrospect, and I want you to kind of unpack this with me. So... 
quote, while face-to-face meetings with it will not occur within the next 20 years, that is the 1960s and 1970s, unless its technology is more advanced than ours, qualifying it to visit Earth, artifacts left at some point in time by these life forms might possibly be discovered through space activities on the moon, Mars, or Venus. So we've supposedly visited the moon. Nothing's there. Um, and I, as I was kind of explaining, one of my favorite things to do, of course, is to uh, read uh, Richard C. Hoagland's thoughts um, on the matter, right? So he believes that like we, there's a secret astronaut core. He also believes that like we went to the moon and got, you know, uh, brainwashed uh, in terms of uh, the astronauts themselves uh, so that they would not remember meeting the aliens up there. Um, and right now we, we are in this like massive drive to send people to Mars, right? Yeah, that's the next place humans want to land on. Uh, we've been to a lot of these planets via robots and satellites and stuff, right? The Russians landed on Venus with uh, Venera, Venera, whatever. Uh, Venera. Venera. Like Panera bread. Okay. Uh, and it cooked like a, a bread, that's for sure, when it landed on there. Uh, but it, it got some really interesting images of Venus. I find those images pretty haunting, actually, when you look at them. Uh, but we we have been to some of our planets and some of the moons of some planets to see, but humans have only landed on one other uh, extraterrestrial body, and that's the moon. So we'll have to see... Supposedly. Supposedly, yes. We'll, we'll have to add allegedly after that every single time. For this episode, Absolutely. So what do you think? Uh, do you think they're preparing us for the eventual invasion of Earth? I don't think so. I We're <sighs> reading into these things way too much. So you and I have discussed the notion that information wants to be free on the tech side of things, but I also think it's, it's true sociologically. Oh, yeah, for sure. People want to know, uh, people want to know what's out there and they like having access to this information. But the thing is, is that with all this access, they kind of let their imaginations run away with them. I feel like a lot of people want their desire to be true and then frame a narrative around it. What's your narrative, Brian? I'm tired. I'm fed up. Give me the proof now or don't give it to me. I don't care anymore. So uh, it sounds like all in 2019, Brian is kind of fed up of planning his wedding and he's gone and becoming a realistic, cynical Brian. Yeah, I'm like that Seether song, Broken. Uh, but yeah, I just, I want, like like I was saying before, like I want to believe in this. I want to believe in disclosure. I want to believe that like we're in touch with these sentient beings um, who uh, want to uh, elevate our society and our civilization as a whole, uh, which is why I kind of want to talk to you about the idea of the cultural impact of such uh, a news item, right? And I kind of want to break into like three different components. Okay. So there's, the, you know, uh, they land, they're friendly. They land, they're neutral, and they land, and they're hostile. Yeah, the hostile one, if they make it here from some other planet, we would be cooked. I feel like they would they would take one quick snapshot of everything we're doing, and they'd be like, you know what, not worth it. And they would either leave us alone or end us. Yeah, well, that's what uh, Stephen Hawking proposed, and he was worried about aliens finding us. Um, something to note, though, is that Carl Sagan actually uh, believes in the opposite of what Hawking did. He believes that any civilization that can make it to Earth um, through their own technology must have transcended a warlike state in order to reach us. I don't know about that. Yeah, I usually side with uh, Carl Sagan on these things, but I don't know. I, I worry that he is actually wrong about this. Human beings have all of these different emotions in them, right? We're, we're complex people. We uh, contain a multitude, you know, as trite as that sounds. And I, I don't think that is just necessarily, um, you know, a human quality. No, it's not. It really isn't. So I do feel like, you know, uh, other civilizations, uh, otherworldly ones may have that inside of them too, right? So hostile uh, civilization, you know, all of the classic disaster movies were kind of point to that idea 
um, that we're going to end in a very uh, sad kind of way. There's going to be no unrealistic human kind of a small force of rogue warriors beating up this civilization that has mastered time and space to reach us. No, we would not have Will Smith to save us. No, Jeff Goldblum would be screwed. He he would have gotten shot or quarantined or whatever, right? And who's to say it's going to be like a prolonged battle, right? Like it could just be one blast. And look, uh, we our MacBooks wouldn't be able to interface because there's no dongle available to work with the alien computers anymore. That's the problem. But I feel like that is the one question that I would actually legitimately love to ask Tim Cook. Apple's obsessed with aliens. Okay, let's 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 agree with that sentiment, right? Right. So, so Tim Cook's memoji is always an alien. Sure. Uh, and he has put aliens on their latest flagship Mac. And there's which you can uh, wheel around, right? Which yeah. you can wheel around much like how an alien spaceship would be able to traverse distances. Or how you wheel around a, an alien body uh, when you're doing the autopsy. Yeah, if you're going to Roswell and you're going to hang out, you know, with some uh, sadly deceased aliens, then like, there you go. So in this week after WWC, we've discovered that Apple... And aliens are connected. And look, you know that the iPhone comes from alien technology. So Right. Uh, so, you know, neutral aliens land. They want to learn more about this, right? Maybe they are, you know, uh, the galaxy's anthropologists. They're curious um, uh, about our history. And then, you know, th- there's some sociologists on board. They want to learn more about how we interact with each other. That actually wouldn't be too bizarre. I, I feel like we would probably do that. Imagine trying to explain Earth to someone who doesn't understand Earth. Just, just how would you distill that into like a thesis? I would be like, you know, there's a lot of civilizations, they're competing for resources, but yet we're all still interconnected due to a variety of societal and economic factors. What is an economy? Let me explain that to you. What is our, you know, the makeup of our society? Let me explain that to you. Why do you kill each other all the time? Yeah, like who knows, right? Like, you know, another great question is like, who is telephone? I feel is a very important one to, uh, to kind of slip in there. But yeah, the idea that they come down and not necessarily uh, have a hand in our fate, but are just watchers, right? Like the classic Marvel character, the Beyonder, he just watches and sort of notes uh, Marvel history as it happens. That's an interesting way of looking at it. As long as they're not like Thanos. No, I, I feel like it'd be more watcher than Thanos at this point. Okay. But I, I just wonder, like, you know, like, what's it like to have an alien being come visit and just really shrug hard about, you know, society as a whole? Do you think that's what they would do? That would be so uninteresting? Like, when you... Not uninteresting, but so, like, so small time. Like, we can't even leave our planet. Yeah, well, we, we always s- compare it to the ants we see on the street, right? Right. You know, there's a mountain of ants and we don't really go by it. We, in some time, in some cases, we poison them. The other thing, too, is that we're presupposing that these aliens actually land here and are capable of uh, speech much in the similar way that we are, right? Um, and that it's not like a, a, a radio burst or a signal that we can't decode. Yeah, or it could be like a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and they just want to get rid of Earth to make room for like a highway. Or a parking lot. I'm yeah. cool with that, right? Yeah. So <laughs> I'm an Earth nihilist here, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so going to the, you know, the most affirmative one, the, uh, you know, the uh, positive aliens that would love to help us out. Yeah, I, I'd be hopeful that that would be the case. You know, they give us new technology. Like we're about to blow each other up and they're just like, you know what? Don't do that. I'm here to help. It's like kids helpline. Oh yeah, for sure. Or they'd give you a MacBook with 500 gig hard drives. Right. Yeah. And they're wheeling them around everywhere, right? Exactly. But then like the kind of interesting thing is like, what if they uh, have come to like, uh, you know, become wards of the galactic state, right? The idea that they would sort of uh, take over Earth as a concierge would and then sort of like clean it up. Or it could be like in Star Trek First Contact where we do something so special that uh, part of this Galactic Federation comes to visit us and say, okay, you're in the club now. 
there's that too, right? I mean, there's all these kinds of like, okay, like these are friendly, but to a fault, right? But it's almost authoritarian. Oh yeah. And we kind of have to follow their rules or. Yeah. Like they, they mean, well, like it's like a tough parent, like the bad cop. Oh yeah. Okay. That's possible. What do you think the theological implications of uh, aliens visiting or an extraterrestrial species visiting would be like? Okay. So it would depend on a few factors. What, so why do we, why do we set some guidelines here? Um, uh, do you want to go good or bad? Uh, I'll go good, I guess. I don't know. I'm not uh, quite sure what you mean. Well, just like if they're friendly aliens or antagonistic aliens. Oh, okay. Now let's go, let's stay with positive things, right? Okay, so let's, let's do this. Okay, so let's perfect. say these aliens show up and they have their own form of religion. That would be more problematic. People would start to say, oh, well, they're able to travel the stars then they must have more knowledge. And if what they believe there's some sort of religion out there, then theirs must be true over ours over here. Or they just laugh at us and say, what do you mean? There's some sort of weird uh, overarching intelligence that controls everything. That's not possible. The universe is the universe and that's all there is to it. That would be a lot. That would be problematic to the religions of the world for sure. Would you be more willing to believe in a space Jesus than an earthly Jesus? Because ostensibly these are quote unquote smarter people, right? Yeah, they're they're more like gods, like like Thor, sort of, right? Right. Um, I. Well, I mean, if they if they exist, like there's proof that they exist, right? So yes, yeah, I, I guess like if, them, if you're right? like, like yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. If there's like demonstrable proof, then yeah, yes, of course. Like that that's that's how I I, I view the world is like there has to be evidence of something for me to believe in it. Right. You want those receipts. Yeah. That, that, that's why like, I, you know, I'm not religious. I don't really care either way. Like uh, right. I would, I would largely agree with that. Right. I do. I would need to see um, some receipts before buying into their, um, you know, whatever they want to call it, religion, cult, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. You're having a cult wedding, right? Like, what are the legal implications, right? Like, so, you know, a sentient being from another planet lands, how do we define them, right? Like, like in terms of, of the rights of the person. What would be really interesting is if they show up and they just start living here like they own it because they technically do, because we may think Earth is ours and I have my little house and you have your apartment and, and the space you live in is yours and the space that I live in is mine, but no, they own everything. Like, so the Earth falls into their, like, territory of land. And they're finally coming to like process it. You know what? It would not surprise me that, you know, uh, bureaucracy runs high amongst the uh, numerous galactic species. Yeah. And we're like on the, on the, the property line between two aliens and they start fighting over us. That would be really weird. So I'm going to tell you a quick story that kind of uh, frames this a little bit. Um, in my younger days, I had a friend who was, after the first year of university, was moving away to another province in order to go study another program he was really passionate about. So we kind of threw him a goodbye party, and we went to one of these 24-hour diners. And in the corner, and it's about 2 a.m., and like none of us had been drinking. We were completely fine. And uh, there's these two older uh, waitresses, and they're sort of staring at us. And we watch them flip a coin, and the loser gets the table. And I feel like that is analogous to what is going on here. Uh, so you were the loser table. Yeah, but we were completely fine and nice and we tipped well, right? So I, I was hoping oh, that we... So she won. Which, yes. So I was hoping we would shatter the illusion. But then I realized that the 24-hour place was also uh, upstairs from a strip club. So the clientele they probably get at that hour is not the best uh, compared to what we were offering um, in terms of niceness. Non-drunk, lovely young folks. Yeah, who just wanted to eat some breakfast foods at 2 a.m. and just, you know, leave. I haven't done that in a long time, but I did do that a few times. There, yeah, wasn't it fun? 
Yeah, it was. Aren't you excited for your kids to stay out all night and you'll never see them? Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm uh, hoping we could podcast and be done by 8.30 so I can get to bed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Is that your like way of telling me to wrap it up? No, not at all. Do you have any other things to add? Well, for sure, because I want to break down like what is a legal person, what defines a person versus what defines an alien, right? And I, I, what you know is an alien an animal? Like, do we classify them? It would be like it would be like those movies from the nineties. Uh, there was They Live, and what was the other one? Well, so They Live technically was in the eighties, but that's fine. Alien Nation as well, right? Have you watched the TV series? Maybe. Okay. Anyways, it's kind of very procedural, right? Because the idea is they team up with an Earth man with an alien man and they, they're policemen and they solve crimes. Kind of like the Will Smith movie Bright, but a little bit better. Ooh, Bright. That was really bad. It was horrible, my friend. But that was about magic, Brian. Now we discussed that <laughs> earlier. Right, of course. I, I screwed that up. Um, moving on from legal, uh, I wanted, yeah. So, you know, political. You know, what is it like to have an alien run for office you know who gets first or or like on the other side of things who gets first dibs at talking to them like how is that decision made i would be so interested in seeing how uh somebody like donald trump would handle this because uh, he would be talking about their hands he called them bigly he loves husky men right so if the aliens are husky it'll be fine he would just talk about how he's the best human on earth and then they would run away screaming because if that's the best if that's the gold standard it's well, okay. Sad. So the logical implication there is because he's been elected, right? He is therefore the best man on, on, you know, in the United States, uh, perhaps the earth in that case. In you know, if you're thinking about this logically, uh, let's not get too political in that regard, but I don't know. No, but I, I, uh, I, I just mean like in public displays of, of things like that, like who, how do you determine who gets first crack? Right. You know, like there are more people in China, for example, than there are in the United States. Right. So is it population based? Yeah. I, or there are more Catholics, right? So I, are there more Catholics than Chinese? Uh, I think they're more Chinese now. Oh, okay. Because if that, like, I mean, we could send the Pope there, uh, right? But only if you wore his hat. Okay. So yeah, yeah, he would wear his hat. So the the Pope wouldn't be a bad guy to send there. He seems like a decent fella. Okay, so uh, China has edged out ca- uh, Catholics. Um, so uh, last count, one point two billion Roman Catholics, one point three five million Chinese people. So yeah, I'm not quite sure what we would do in this case then. I would love to know people's thoughts. Like, how do you, how would you decide who gets to talk to the aliens first, right? So you can go ahead and tweet us at double underscore density, uh, Facebook, uh, Facebook.com slash never, 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 because we're never on Facebook, uh, Instagram, uh, double density podcasts. And then you can head over to double density, uh, dot net and click on the contact button. Let us know what you think and how you would decide who gets to talk to the aliens, right? Um, wasn't what is there? How a, do you, how do you legally define an alien? Sorry, go ahead. Uh, wasn't there a designated person by the UN or is that a joke? A UN person to talk to. Let me use the internet, okay? Okay, so in 2010, there was, the UN was going to appoint a space ambassador to greet alien visitors. Okay, see, so uh, that person then. Yes, but uh, uh, how legitimate are they? Who who recognizes the UN as the absolute authority here on Earth? Well, the the China doesn't. Uh, I guess hmm. maybe. Yeah. Oh my God. You're breaking See, me. This is, this is very difficult. And this is something that I've been living with for days now thinking about this. Maybe it could be uh Robert Bigelow. You know what? I would not mind that he has a leg up theoretically on all of us. Right. So he knows, he knows about aliens. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's a knower. Could send one of his buddies from Skinwalker ranch. Uh, I would love to see that discussion. Listen, Bob, Bobbert, Big Bob. 
we found another species that wants to talk to you. Are you in or are you out? Well, okay. So we've, we've solved this then. It would be uh, Robert Bigelow. Yeah, it would be Robert Bigelow. And then... Um, with Donald uh, Trump. Did, didn't we talk about this um, with Rob where like, I, I thought that Tom Hanks would be like a good ambassador? Yeah, we discussed this. Uh, yeah. we've, discussed, we've brought up Tom Hanks several times. Yes. Oh, it was with Casey List be, we brought up Tom Hanks, actually. Right. I do believe that he uh, is the definitive person if we're going to do this, right? Yeah, because I had suggested Barack Obama and then Casey said that he's not sure he'd want a lawyer to handle this. Yeah, like I want a man who knows how to glad hand properly. Yes. So Tom Hanks it is. Yes. Uh, so I feel like this is a logical place to end episode 111 of the Double Density Podcast. What do you think? Any last thoughts about aliens um, and how we would treat them uh, if worthy to ever come visit? Hostile, agreeable, friendly, neutral. I uh, honestly would hope that we do not have any alien visitors ever come to see us because I think Stephen Hawking was correct. You think they're they're angry? Yeah, I think we'd be finished. They they would just yeah. they would just destroy us for our uh, resources, and that's it. But the thing is, is that we we you know all the alien movies that we see out there are always because they come to Earth to get our resources. But I'm sure if they can make it all the way here, there's other resources all over the place. They probably wouldn't. Uh, want to bother with us isn't there water on mars for example right like i know it's a minute amount but you can probably figure out how to filter that out they wouldn't want water because water is what kills them all right so we're using science logic here exactly swing away brian swing away (laughs) uh just a quick note we would love it if you left a review on the podcast app now i guess like itunes is being obliterated right it's there for a few more months yeah go ahead and leave us a review leave us your thoughts uh, let us know uh, what you're thinking. And also, just a quick note. So uh, for the next couple of months, we'll be doing bi-weekly episodes as the uh, uh, summer season starts. Uh, as I've probably mentioned way too much, I'm going to be getting married in a couple of weeks and I need to concentrate on the things that need to get done in order for this wedding to actually happen. And then you're a busy father. Your kids want to go out and do things a lot. Yeah. So, um, but bi- it's just bi-weekly for a couple of uh, months and then we'll be back to our weekly schedule. So uh, don't worry, you'll still be getting lots of double density. Right, Angelo, where can people find you on the internet uh, in the meantime? At Angelo Fiorin on the Twitters. You can also find me at Brian Hasty with uh, Brian with an I over on uh, Twitter. Go ahead and yell at me for all the things I've said. I've probably angered, um, you know, film editors, uh, people who uh, fervently believe in capital D disclosure, but I'm, I'm okay with that at the end of the day. Exactly. Great, Angelo. I uh, Since I've listed off where people can find us, you know, like less than five minutes ago, I'm just going to end things here. So I'm going to say... Tune in next week as I try to make it through another seven days of having to deal with your strange neuroses, Angelo. See you around, buddy. See ya. All right. Three... Two, one. Perfect. Her cat just ran off. She didn't like that. <laughs> My cat was confused because I fed her before, but she was lying down on the Greetings, bed. Cyberspace, and welcome to episode. <laughs> I thought it would have been incredibly rude to do. <laughs> That's good. Okay, go start. Uh, I figured I thought you'd enjoy that. Okay. Yeah, that was great. Welcome back to the DeVry Institute Online, and today we're going to be speaking about. Uh, no, let's not do that.